You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. And we're back. Welcome everyone to episode number 30 of Ask Concussion Doc. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Um, Hope everyone had a nice holiday vacation time. Rick's telling me to lean back. I guess I'm too excited, too amped up, too far forward. Okay, so this episode here, it's kind of timely because the the best post that I had from Ask Concussion Doc in 2018 was actually about cervicogenic dizziness. That one got the most... um, likes and the most kind of feedback and questions from um, my followers and also there was an article published today in the CBC uh, from Ottawa talking about vestibular therapy that was being done by a trained chiropractic neurologist and um, they were talking to patients who were obviously benefiting from this type of therapy but then they talked to um, you know some some experts in the area that cautioned against um, vestibular therapy for concussion, citing that there wasn't really a lot of evidence to support it, which I 100% disagree with. There is a ton of evidence to support vestibular therapy, vision therapy, manual therapy of the neck for concussion injuries, and it's unfortunate that patients are going to read this story and assume that there is no help for concussion because these so-called experts continue to discourage people from utilizing some of these services which are actually evidence-based and do show some promise. Um, So I'm going to talk about the neck specifically in concussion, not so much about vestibular therapy, but how the neck can influence the vestibular system and benefit patients with concussion. There was one comment that was made in this story from Dr. Uh, Tatter, Uh, in Toronto, uh, who's a well-known concussion expert, and basically he said that chiropractors may have a role to play in concussion recovery if the injury included whiplash. Now, I'm going to make the case that every single concussion involves whiplash, and that the fact that it's a chiropractor doesn't really make a difference in terms of the effective therapies that are available to patients with concussion and post-concussion syndrome like vestibular therapy, like treatment of the neck, and like vision therapy, which in my opinion, they're so interconnected that you kind of need to address all three to understand uh, what's going on. So we're going to talk about this. Um, The neck in concussion. So the comment is the neck, um, chiropractors could play a role in concussion if the neck is involved, if there's a whiplash. Now, when you look at the amount of force required to cause a concussion injury, The G-forces that have been studied, if you look at, um, there was a systematic review in 2016 that looked and reviewed all of the impact-related data that we got from helmet sensors, all of these studies, and this is over 1.5 million impacts to the head. And what they did is looked at how much force it took to cause concussion, and in all of those impacts, the mean linear force required to cause concussion was 98 G's of linear rotation or sorry linear acceleration and 5700 rads per second squared which is the rotational component when you compare that so that's that's acceleration of the head and the brain that's required to cause concussion 
if you look at what's involved to cause whiplash, it's actually only four and a half G's. So you're talking an injury that requires 98 G's to your head and only four and a half G's to your neck. Well, if your head is getting almost 100 G's of acceleration during an impact, your neck is taking at least four and a half. Therefore, every single concussion that occurs will always, always, always have some element of whiplash involved in it, some sort of mild strain injury of the neck. And when you compare the symptoms of whiplash and the symptoms of concussion, they are literally identical. Um, both injuries will include headache, dizziness, balance problems, cognitive disturbances, memory and um, concentration impairments, fatigue, uh, psychological disturbances. Every single symptom is a component of both whiplash and concussion. If they happen together and they look the same, how can we tell the difference between them? And there's been a lot of research looking at whiplash and the symptoms of whiplash and they look a lot like concussion. So disturbances of cognitive and emotional functions. I'm just going through abstracts here. Whiplash injury, mild traumatic brain injury, differential effects on cognitive functioning, sensory motor effects and neck disorders affecting postural stability, head and eye movement control. Your neck affects how your eyes move. Your neck affects your vestibular function and how you perceive the world around you and it can make you feel very dizzy if there's dysfunction there. And this is where I think that we're doing disservice to patients by discouraging them to, uh, to do these types of therapies when there is actually a lot of evidence to support um, their use. And I actually did a study about this. Um, we haven't published it yet, but we looked at patients with chronic whiplash and we looked at patients with chronic concussion and we compared them on their symptom profiles and we found there was absolutely no difference between the concussion group and the whiplash group. And this, these are people with chronic symptoms and the only difference we could find was if they were, if they were hit directly in the head, the doctor diagnosed them as having whip or uh, concussion. If they weren't hit directly in the head, the doctor diagnosed them as having whiplash. The mechanism is acceleration and deceleration in both cases, and the symptoms are identical in both cases. The only difference was whether or not they hit their head, but everybody knows you can get a concussion without directly hitting your head. So the symptoms are the same. How can your neck cause headaches? Well, there's this thing called referred pain. The easiest description of referred pain that I can come up with, I say this to my patients all the time, is a heart attack. If you're having a heart attack, you get this referred pain down the left arm. Some people will feel it up into the jaw or the side of the face. There's nothing wrong with your left arm. It's your brain saying something is wrong over here, but not being able to perceive where it's coming from. Your brain is not very good at picking up where pain comes from. Your head and your neck are developed from the same zones during embryonic development. And so neck pain can often feel like head pain. And so the muscle tissues and the joints in your neck, if they're really inflamed and really flared up, patients will feel pain in their head. They'll feel like they have a, a headache in the temples or they'll feel like they have a headache right on the top of their head or they'll feel like they have a headache right behind their eye. That isn't necessarily brain related that is most likely neck-related headaches. And if you can go to a good therapist that can find those areas, push on them, and recreate your headaches, well, you've pretty much nailed your diagnosis. That's the thing that I'm looking for when I'm assessing a neck is, can I reproduce the headaches that the patient is experiencing? So that's headaches. 
Now let's talk about dizziness. How can your neck make you feel dizzy? I did a post on this uh, just yesterday because like I said, it was the top post of 2018, so I just reposted it again uh, to start off 2019. Now there was a great summary article by Cheever et al. in 2016 that reviews this idea or all the evidence around this idea for why or how the neck can make a person feel dizzy. Now, we've already established that the neck is going to get injured when there's a concussion. We already established the symptoms of the two things are going to be the same. Now, if the neck is causing dizziness and you're able to treat that, that dizziness can go away. And we've done this extensively in my clinic. Um, and it's profound because you can get dizziness relief within five minutes of treatment and the person is just completely switched from being dizzy to not being dizzy. Now the effects don't stay forever, you have to treat this a couple times, but it's quite effective. Now I'm just going to read the mechanism here, just kind of a summary that I that I made from Cheever's article uh, for you guys. So cervical somatosensory information is integrated with visual and vestibular information in the cerebellum. And now this, this affects postural and ocular motor regulation as well as gaze st stabilization. The neck also contributes to anticipatory ocular movements and postural adjustments during voluntary movement. Cervical afferents interact with the superior colliculi to produce the cervical ocular reflex and can supplement the vestibular ocular reflex to help stabilize gaze during head and neck movements. If this function is lost or impaired, the patient will feel dizzy. So this is the sensors in your neck, in the muscles and joints. They have Golgi tendon organs. They have muscle spindles that can tell you where you are in space. And if those are off because there's certain tightness in certain areas or there's damage or there's tearing or whatever, you can feel dizzy, dizziness because of the sensory information that's coming to your cerebellum. And it's not the same information that's coming from your eyes or your vestibular system. So the way to think about this is you have three systems working together to give you a sense of where you are in space. This is your vestibular function. You have your eyes, you have your vestibular nucleus, your, your inner ear, uh, semicircular canals, and you also have the spindles and proprioceptive mechanisms in the joints and tissues of your neck. If those three systems are all telling you the same information, like my head is level, my eyes are level, my ears are level, you're not going to feel dizzy. But if one of those pieces of, of, of data that's coming at you is altered or impaired in some way, whether it be, let's say, your semicircular canals, you have BPPV, you have a crystal that's kind of dislodged itself, that signal that's coming from your, from your ear is not the same as what's coming from your eyes and from your neck, and you're going to feel this dizziness that goes. Now, if it's your neck that's off, the patients with cervicogenic dizziness and this is a lot of concussion patients, what you'll hear them say is, I don't necessarily feel dizzy, I just feel off. Like I just, they can't describe it, right? The room doesn't spin around them. They can't describe it, they just feel off. Like they feel like they're unsure of themselves, they feel unsure of their balance and all that stuff. This to me signals more of a cervicogenic component where your eyes are saying everything's level, your ears are saying everything's level, but your neck is telling you that your head is like this. Well. And for those that are just listening, I did a large rotation and lateral flexion to the, to the left side. So if that's the signal that's coming in through your cerebellum, your brain is just going to go, hold on a second. Who do I believe here? Do I believe the eyes? Do I believe the inner ears? Do I believe the joint receptors? And that 
split second of misinformation where there's an alteration, this mismatch, that's when you're, you're, you go, whoa, hold on, and you grab onto something around you because you feel dizzy. This is the person that's driving and they feel fine, but then they shoulder check and they come back and they have this really quick wave of dizziness, right? This is they rotated their neck. Now, is this a visual problem? Is this a neck problem? Is this a vestibular problem? That's what you have to figure out as a therapist, but the neck is involved in those two components. So all of these things kind of tie in. Now what's the evidence on this? Well there's a lot of evidence for cervicogenic headaches. There's a lot of evidence that's been done by by Bogduck um, looking at injecting cervical spine joints with, with anesthetic as well as with pain stimulating things to recreate headaches for patients. So this is one of the most studied forms of headache is a neck related headache. This is one of the forms of headache we know the most about, yet it's one of the forms that doesn't really get as much attention as any other headache, right? People will say, oh, that's migraine, and they'll put you on all sorts of medications. Meanwhile, it's just a neck issue that needs to be worked out by somebody. Uh, and then on the vestibular side of things, there isn't as much evidence for cervicogenic dizziness, and there's more evidence that needs to be um, kind of figured out in this realm. But just from an anecdotal perspective, um, from me kind of doing this stuff, as well as some of the evidence that does exist, I think this is a very effective treatment for um, concussion patients and uh, something that needs to be taken seriously by, um, by therapists um, and by patients alike. So the neck is involved in every single concussion that occurs. Uh, the integration of systems can make you feel dizzy. It affects your eye movement. It affects your vestibular system. And it also creates a lot of headaches. And um, I find it a very effective treatment approach. So that's it for this week. Join us next week. We're going to be talking about rest and physical activity uh, and what are the differences there and what's the evidence to support each one of those. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.